Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, we are back together again to preview the start of NBA free agency. Adrian Wojnarowski saying the New York Knicks have a shot at trading for James Harden should they do it. Josh Hart back for another year. And could his former Villanova teammate join him? All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to remind you to download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we are now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. So if you want to be an everydayer and one of my best friends, subscribe, hit that notifications bell, and remember to subscribe on your audio platform of choice so you never, ever miss an episode. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of The Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check them out on all forms of social media at thestrick.land. Uh, Alex, I gave some thoughts earlier in case people missed it in a, in a quick episode on James Harden when the news came out. A uh, little bit of a curveball as, as we head into free agency here. What what was your initial reaction to that Woj tweet? Well, first off, I got to say, so I at work, I got to present this news. Uh, I have a there's a, a decent um, little NBA fan contingency at work. And one of my coworkers is a Sixers fan. Another one is a Knicks fan. I got to have a really fun moment at work today where I had seen that, that Woj bomb and they hadn't seen it yet. And so I walked over to both of them. I was like, yo guys, did you see the new NBA news? They're like, no, what happened? And I was like, James Harden opted into the last year of his contract. And my buddy who's a Sixers fan was like, yeah, woo, let's go. And then I was like, and he did it just so he could request a trade. And then my buddy who's a Knicks fan was like, what? And I was like, yeah, and the Knicks are involved. What? No. <laughs> that was pretty much my reaction. I was like, um, okay. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I do think that the Knicks should be in on the star market right this second and possibly even try to get something prior to the new league year starting. Uh, although they are, you know, I talked about this when I was talking with uh, – I think I might have talked about this with the Bulls guys and with Ben. And I think I talked about this with with Schwinney earlier this week when I did Pod Strickland. But the Knicks are sort of in this unique position where they don't have to scramble like the rest of these teams to make these trades before the new league year starts because the Knicks are in pretty good shape as far as the salary cap is concerned and stuff, Uh, especially now with the Josh Hart news, which we'll talk about in the next segment. But uh, so that said, I still think they should be active in the star market and maybe try to take advantage of all these teams trying to offload these guys on their big contracts prior to the start of the new league year. It seems like there's maybe going to be a little bit of a flurry tomorrow as everybody panics about the new CBA and everything that is suddenly like way more punitive to teams that want to spend than it's ever been before. Uh, that said, I mean, 
the way that this rumor came about and the teams that are listed where it's like the Clippers are interested and the Knicks, I kind of feel like maybe the Knicks are trying to stick their nose in about Paul George more so than James Harden and maybe try to turn this into a three-team swap, you know, send like, let's say it was like a, a... RJ Barrett, uh, the way of the Sixers or something like that. So then, you know, it could be like, okay, well, the Clippers get to mix things up and get James Harden, which gives them more of a point guard type presence than, uh, you know, having another wing, which would be super valuable for them. Uh, then the Knicks get Paul George. They get their like chance to really like try to make a run with Brunson and Randall and add another all NBA caliber player. And the Sixers, you know, even though they're losing James Harden, you know, which he could have just left them high and dry. Now, instead of getting nothing, they at least get RJ Barrett back, who's young, promising, and could potentially set them up for a world maybe without Joel Embiid in a few years if he decides that he's done with them, whatever the case may be. So that's sort of my thought. Um, but I'm not, I, I don't even know if that's 100%. It. All I will just say about Harden is the reason that it made me kind of cringe at first is because I just don't think he's the right type of player that the Knicks should be looking to get. You don't need to take the ball out of Jalen Brunson's hands more. Uh, you know, like it should just be players that can complement what Jalen Brunson does with the ball in his hands because we saw in the playoffs, like he's legitimately he could be the best offensive option on your team. Uh, in in a playoff series or in a playoff run, while you make a, a deep playoff run, like he did with the Mavericks last year, he did it with the Knicks this year. Uh, it, which of course with the Mavericks, he had Doncic for part of that, but we saw him really like carry them for stretches of that playoff run as well. So I'm kind of just at the point where I'm like don't go after a guy that's going to require you to take the ball out of Brunson's hands more instead go for, you know, a wing or something like that, you know, find, find someone like Paul George that is also more useful without the ball, but also is great on defense. I think that's the big thing. You need like a really legitimate two way player. So I don't think Harden's that, but I mean, good for the Knicks for sticking their nose and all this stuff. Cause they should be, they have the picks, they have the tradable contracts and they have a team that seems ready for one more star to take another leap. So I, I think it's smart that they're at least trying to get in on all these discussions. Yeah, I, I outlined my thoughts earlier. I, I kind of was of the initial opinion as you that like, all right, they're getting involved as, as the third team in the steal and they're going to try to take advantage of the fact that they potentially have some room, that they could bring in a Paul George, that they could throw some picks or a guy like Obi Toppin as like an incentivizer to either Philly or LA to get it done. But the more I sat with it, the more I thought, one, that I think the Clippers want all three of these guys because they want the injury insurance on the fact that one of Kawhi or Paul George is seemingly inevitably going to be hurt every postseason and that even with that, they could still go in with two stars and then maybe by the time they get to the finals, they have all three stars ready to go. They want more of a playmaker in Harden, but still having like that top-line finishing ability and most importantly, the consistency in the postseason of guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, where with Harden at this point in his career, I think it's pretty clear that if you have championship aspirations, he can't be the second best guy on your team. So I guess on a surface level, that would kind of preclude the Knicks if this is a quote-unquote all-in move from going in on Harden. But Alex, I don't think, one, that it has to be an all-in move because if you look at their competition, you look at the Heat, you look at, to an even greater degree, the Clippers, they just don't have a lot to offer. Like There was a follow-up report, I believe, from Woj that the Clippers didn't want to put any of their premium young assets into a trade. And I was like, who, who like are what premium, premium young assets? Who, who are we talking about? Is, <laughs> is that is that 40-year-old Sean Livingston? Is Terrence Mann? Like... Right? Yeah, Terrence <laughs> Mann. Is it, is it Amir Coffey? Is it BJ Boston? Please, I, I, I'd love to know. We, we, we got to bring Darian back in here. Like He, he can yeah. tell us who these guys are. But to me, 
that is that is Narnia stuff because it's a fairy tale. Like there aren't those guys don't exist. And I say that to say, like the Knicks just by throwing in a couple of these extra picks, and then I, whether it's one of RJ quickly or Grimes, like and guys that like fairly you might you might come back and say like I don't want to trade any of those guys to James Harden. Like I will as someone who's not a big James Harden fan, is a big fan of those three and, and acknowledges the price differential and the age differential and the defense differential. I will hear that out. I think the one argument for James Harden and Alex, maybe we can touch on this a little bit in just a sec is the playmaking and, and the type of passer he is. And the fact that he's coming off the season where he led the NBA in assists the year before that, I, I believe also led the NBA in assists. In fact, now for three straight seasons has averaged over 10 assists per game. Like he, or excuse me for two straight seasons, Oh no, he's he's put up ten assists. Wow, he's put up ten assists five straight seasons now. Um, am I looking at these stats wrong? Sorry, three straight seasons. It's very confusing because he's been on a bunch of different teams. The point is, he is a fantastic, fantastic passer, and I think that is something that the Knicks could certainly use. Yeah, I I think you can always use more passing and whatever. I just I I look at it and I'm like, I don't feel like passing was what the Knicks were yearning for. You know what I mean? Like in the playoffs, like I think that they were looking for. They need more shooting, more consistent shooting. They need more ability to create your own shot. Now, of course, Harden provides both those things as well. So, you know, it's it, but I just feel like he's so much more effective with the ball in his hands. And I think that taking the ball out of Brunson's hands would not be super appealing to me. Though I guess if you're really just one for one replacing RJ Barrett with James Harden and still have Quentin Grimes and still have Randall and still have Mitchell Robinson and everything else. Maybe there's a world where that's still good. Um, I just, I, I don't know that I would want to relegate Jalen Brunson to essentially having to play like he did off of Luka Doncic. Like there's a reason he came to the Knicks and there's a reason he was so good this past year. And that's because, you know, he was given more opportunities to, to handle the ball and, and really run the offense. And I wouldn't want to take that away from him because he did it so well. Yeah. Uh, this past I think year. They, do you think there's a case that Harden at this point in his career, I think that's what it comes down to. Like, is he willing to be more of a clear-cut secondary guy in a way that he didn't totally have to sacrifice with Embiid just because of the position that Embiid plays? Like, because I think if he could play off of Jalen Brunson and like attack a scramble defense like that, like I I don't think passing was the Knicks' core issue offensively. I thought it was a issue in the playoffs. And like, even with Brunson, like this was kind of the argument I was making earlier, like when he was having these 40 point games, like you'd rarely see him pile up double digit assists, even when defense was throwing three or four guys at him. Granted, when you're finishing as efficiently as he is, that's not a big deal. But I, I do think there's an argument to be made for someone who is like a more creative playmaker, like spoon feeding someone like Grimes, spoon feeding quickly, spoon feeding Mitch. Like, I, I think that could help your offense, not so much in the regular season, but in the playoffs, I think it can make a difference. Yeah, I could see that as well. I mean, look, we see this over and over again. Once you hit the playoffs, like you just need guys that can break a defense down, create their own shot, and hopefully create for others too. And the Knicks have that in Brunson, but not quite sure what you have as far as like RJ Barrett, even Emmanuel quickly, you struggled a bit. Grimes, I don't think is ready yet to just like fully break down a defense. So we kind of saw like when Brunson wasn't able to be out there doing that. The Knicks kind of struggled a bit during this postseason. Harden definitely solves that issue, if nothing else. Even if the maybe the defense takes a step back and whatever else, like the guy can the guy can straight up do everything on offense that you want out of a guard, and that's that's still extremely valuable. Uh, mo- and, mo- only sometimes in the playoffs, but when it looks mo- good, it looks yeah. really good. But when it looks good, it looks great. Uh, you know what else looks great, Gavin? That is that is prize picks, and that is 
one of our sponsors today. We're going to talk in a moment about Josh Hart opting into the final year of his deal. Sort of surprising. Uh, we got some rumors about it maybe happening over the last few days, and then it finally did. So we'll talk about that in our next segment. But first, I'll just let you all know about prize picks and tell you what, it's my favorite daily fantasy game. It's a lot better than those other ones you may have tried over the years where you got to like build a roster and blah, blah, blah. And you're playing against all these like basically professionals with spreadsheets and algorithms. And you put in one entry, but someone bought like 10,000 out of the 15,000 entries. And then they win like the top 8,000 prizes with like one entry that they spammed a bunch of times. That's no fun. Prize picks is a lot of fun. And that's because it's totally different. They're completely redoing f- daily fantasy. Uh, it's not you versus a bunch of other people with a bunch of unfair advantages, just you versus the projections the prize picks throws out there. So, for example, I don't know that I would bet this because, you know, as a Mets fan, things are not great. But let's say it was like Francisco Lindor plus or minus 1.5 hits today. I'll probably say under. And then I'll bet all the unders on the Mets because they stink. And then I would probably win a bunch of money because the Mets stink and, and all those things would hit. And my prize picks entry might win me up to 25 times my money. The best part is, too, you could do multi-sport entries. So if there's maybe uh, a Liberty game on and a Mets game and a Yankees game, you could pick projections from three sports in one entry if you want. You could pick six different sports if you want. Do whatever you want. It's very cool like that. So it's it's one of my favorites. They also uh, allow you to make entries in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy and offer safe and fast withdrawals and are operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. And if you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, Gavin, we're back in, continuing to talk about uh, about a, a fairly busy final day before free agency for the Knicks. Although it seems like the whole league is kind of a buzz right now. This new CBA is really I, – I enjoyed the tweet from uh, Fred Katz the other day where he was like, uh, oh, yeah. just, just had a, a, cap, a cap expert for a team that I know text me, and it just read, F my life, because there's so many new things for these guys to learn in like a five-day period before the uh, before free agency started, or not even five days. I think they got this stuff like three or four days ago. It's, it's crazy. Uh, but at any rate, we got some interesting news today. Uh, Josh Hart opts into the final year of his contract. It's worth roughly $13 million for 2023 to 24. Now, he will be able to sign an extension later this summer now, but this is sort of interesting because Hart, it seemed like a foregone conclusion, was going to opt out and most likely sign a deal in the 16 to $20 million per season range and lock up multiple years with the Knicks, presumably. Uh, but this sort of implies that maybe the Knicks have some big plans for that non-taxpayer MLE, uh, mid-level exception for those that don't know what I'm talking about, which is a allows you to spend some money while you're over the cap, but more money if you're not over the luxury tax. Uh, which we'll probably talk about in the next segment, could be Dante DiVincenzo, but maybe also sort of, I, I don't know if this maybe foretells potential trade moves as well, but either way, thanks Josh Hart. Basically, it all boils down to he did the Knicks a really big favor here. Yeah, and and it might be with the understanding that the Knicks are going to do him a really big favor back because he's eligible for up to a four-year $80 million contract, which I would say is above market value. For Josh Hart, or I, I should say extension, not contract. Um, I guess it is still a contract. But anyways, um, 
I don't think there was another team in the league that's giving him 20 million a year. And like, look, we have to, we have to see if that actually comes to fruition and maybe it's it, the number is lower than that. And, and knowing the Knicks, I think it'll be slightly lower than that. And maybe more like four years, 76 million, where he's making $18 million a year. But I, I think the initial thing we have to celebrate here is just that Josh Hart is going to continue being a Nick. I mean, we referenced this stat a bunch of times in this podcast, but they played like a 58 win team after that trade. Um, he shot the ball absurdly well, 50, 50, 80 splits as a Nick uh, provided a little bit more of that passing juice. The rebounding was just like, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Alex, like some of my favorite moments in my life as a Knicks fan, we're watching Hart and Mitch crash the glass over and over and over again, relentlessly against the Cavs. And the only fear, again, certainly not in the in the one-year option, which is a fantastic deal for Josh Hart, but in giving him a really long-term extension is, will the shooting ever come around in the playoffs? And if it doesn't, can the Knicks plan their lineups around that? And a guy who is who does so many things right, but like everyone in the league, if you're not a big and you're not willing to take threes, like that can cancel out a whole lot of good that you do in other areas. So to me, no question about the extension, or I mean, no, or no question about him picking up the option. Really, very little questions about the extension. The regular season, it's just playoff time. Like, could there be more issues with Josh Hart? Yeah, and it's just going to come down to can Tibbs learn from his mistakes from this past year and say, you know, just kind of understand, hey, Josh Hart. Maybe, you know, he's not a guy that needs to close every single game. He's not Jalen Brunson. He's not Julius Randle at his, at, at, you know, his best. You know what I mean? Like those guys, you sort of just have to trust at the end of every game. Josh Hart is, is, I hate to use this word because it's become almost like a curse word, but he's situational. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's not necessarily always going to be the right guy to be on the floor down the stretch. Sometimes it might be, let's just say for all intents and purposes that, the roster is exactly the same. Sometimes it might be Grimes and quickly along with Brunson out there. That makes the most sense. If you need more shooting, sometimes it might be Grimes and Barrett. You know, if you just need a more complete scorer out there at the three, sometimes it might be Barrett and Hart. Who knows if you need like more rebounding or whatever, you know, it's just tips. It's going to come down to Tibbs as many things do. We often say a lot of things come down to like, well, will Tibbs figure it out? I guess we'll see. Uh, I, but that's the thing with Hart. He's a fantastic player. He's really, really good. He literally turned the next season around. He he had a similar effect to what Derrick Rose did two years ago and came in here and, and immediately contributed to high-level winning basketball. It was one of the key catalysts to winning that first-round series. And yet, through I won't say through any fault of his own. I mean, his skill set is his skill set. He sort of was part of what lost the Knicks the series against the Heat because of the fact that he couldn't hit those open threes that they were leaving for him. And, yeah. or, and or more importantly, he wouldn't even shoot them. Wouldn't sometimes. even shoot them. Yeah, I was about to say it was so tentative that he didn't even take half of them. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to come down to can the coach understand when it's not the right time to play Josh Hart. But when it is the right time to play Josh Hart, which is like 85% of the time, he's going to be fantastic for them. And I'm I'm very happy to have him back and – I love this. Uh, I mean, we'll get to DiVincenzo in the next segment in just a sec, but like I'm loving this little Villanova family they're building because these guys that they've gotten from Villanova work really hard and know their role and are, are really good NBA players. So if they end up, you know, having that that little trio by the end of tomorrow, I, I'm going to feel pretty good about things. Yeah, and I, I guess my final thought on Hart, and it would be good to have um, like Jeremy on later this summer to talk, or, or may, maybe maybe as soon as next week, to talk through more of the cap implications of all this. But I, I guess I just get concerned about 
the opportunity cost. Like, does this affect like a, again? A, I'm I'm talking in a hypothetical, but like, depending on how big that eventual extension here, and to me, this does feel like a wink wink situation. Like, does that affect quickly? Does that affect Grimes down the road? Because I, I think ultimately, because of their youth, I mean, quickly is just a better player. But like in terms of Grimes versus Hart, I would say Hart was like certainly the more impactful guy taking into account everything last season, the regular season and then come playoff time. Like, yeah, I know it's essentially the point we were just both making, but it, it, it's incredible. Like even in a series where Grimes wasn't shooting well and at least offensively wasn't really contributing anything else. Like he clearly still had a more positive impact than Josh Hart just because he had to be treated like a shooter. So if the Knicks are ultimately making a decision between one or the other, I'm going with Grimes. And now they don't have to worry about Grimes for another year or two years, another year. Um, at least on the initial extension. And you would think whatever Hart's contract is, it'll always be tradable because he's just an additive player. Um, maybe at 20 million, like in the worst case, you have to attach an asset and that's not the end of the world. And it's just about keeping things together and keeping that flexibility going forward. But I would just say that's something to watch out for where I would prioritize those guys over Hart ultimately. And like the Knicks right now are building a roster where you're not paying anyone crazy money, but you're paying a lot of guys good money. And there's a couple other guys you're going to want to be paying good money to. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. I mean, it's it's but it ultimately at some point I figured they're probably going to trade some of these guys anyway, either before they pay them or very shortly thereafter as extremely tradable contracts. Like I think that's part of what's going to be good about RJ's extension going forward and stuff like that is that these guys become tradable if you want to consolidate a, a couple of them or a few guys into one of these like super max guys, make your final big move and, you know, try to compete for a championship. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out going forward. I do feel, I will say, I feel much better as a Knicks fan than I feel like I would feel if I was a fan of like damn near like two thirds of the teams in the NBA that have all these guys on the super max contracts and everything else. Like I'm at least thankful that the Knicks have that level of flexibility that, even if they pay Hart and it's like, oh, they're probably gonna have to pay quickly, like 20 million in a year and and Grimes 20 million a year after that, you know, whatever. At least at least they don't have anything, any contracts that would eventually become an albatross. And if the time came for it, they would just be able to like a Josh Hart, you could find any team in the league that'll be willing to give you like a pick or something for Josh Hart because he's just a super impactful good player. He's already been traded multiple times for a first round pick in his career. So he's just that type of player. So I'm not worried about it, and I'm super. I'm I'm happy to have him back from a Knicks perspective, but just from a pure value perspective too, it, he's always going to be worth something in the NBA till the day that he retires because he's just that type of player. Uh, but we got to talk about the the uh, potential third member of the Villanova trio here in Dante Divincenzo being heavily linked to the Knicks, and give our final free agent predictions, which we'll do in the next segment. But Gavin, do you want to let everybody know where to get tickets to? Well. Not a Knicks game at the moment, but let's say maybe a baseball game or something like that. Something to take your mind off things during this. Yeah, you know, time. yeah, we're only, we're also we're only we're only a few months away, like a, 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 a Knicks a Knicks ticket before you know it. But the point is, Alex, that buying tickets to your favorite event ultimately shouldn't be stressful. And game time is the fast and easy way to ensure that it's not. You can buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. And they have killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. You don't have to plan months in advance because game time is deals right up to the day of the event. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in row or less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're done. And I love this. Tickets are sent directly to your phone. 
I won't mention, but with a rival company, like I've once spent like 20 minutes and this, this is a little bit on me, but like searching through my email for tickets, like having to wait for multiple emails, multiple levels of the transaction with game time. That is never, ever an issue. You can snag the tickets without the stress with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on NBA for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Alex, it's time to talk about a third Villanova Wildcat potentially joining the Knicks. And if you want to uh, consider a scenario why Josh Hart would give the Knicks a preemptive sweetheart deal, it's because he wants to play with uh, the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo, one of my favorite uh, nicknames, also Delaware Jordan. Um, most famously, uh, were, were, were stated during the, I think it was the 2018 National Championship game, when he was just pouring on three-pointers against Michigan. I thought he was going to be like a 30-point scorer in the NBA watching that. Obviously, he hasn't been quite that good, but he is an awesome, awesome bench player, right around 10 points, three assists per game, 37% three-point shooter, dynamic talent, excellent option off the bench. Alex, what I will propose to you as my main concern in bringing in Dante DiVincenzo is where the heck... When the heck, how much the heck is this guy going to play? So I mapped up my rotation um, without Dante. And I have Brunson getting 36 minutes at the point guard spot. I have Emmanuel quickly getting 12 minutes at the point guard spot. I have Grimes playing 28 minutes at, at the two. I have IQ playing 20 minutes at the two. I have RJ playing 30 minutes at the three. I have Hart. And this is only in a world where you're moving off of Obi Toppin um, and having hard play some power forward, I have hard playing only 18 minutes at small forward. He would probably have to pick up some extra minutes at two or extra minutes at small forward. And you have RJ play some two in a world where OB isn't moved or the Knicks bring up another backup power forward. Alex, in a way that rotation almost seems overstuffed. What am I missing here? Where's this guy going to get minutes? I don't know if he necessarily would right away. Um, I guess maybe that's the thing. I This move screams to me the Knicks looking at the team that just beat them in the playoffs and saying, we have to be a little more like the heat. Uh, and every team should be saying that all the time, usually because the heat just turn nothing into something all the time. They have all these guys that you just look at and you go, how, how did the, the discarded Martin brother turn into like a 20 point per game score in the NBA playoffs? I, I'll never understand. Uh, but you know, it's, and you know, like, like Struess is now going to make like a freaking huge amount of money because he just took the the Miami Heat program and you know turned into the guy he did so I, I think the Knicks look at that and they say like it's good to always have more than what you need in this league because if if you run into a situation like the Knicks did where like Emmanuel quickly gets hurt in the playoffs or uh Quentin Grimes is at 100% in the playoffs or you know whatever the case may be you don't want to be then looking and be like oh crap how are we going to absorb this? Like, do we have anyone that can step in and do what that guy did? Or are we going to have to just play someone like 48 minutes, you know, to, to make up for a loss of, of this guy. And I think that getting a DiVincenzo sort of signals, like, like, first off, he hopefully would not be too mad about not having a ton of minutes at first, because he'd be playing with two of his first off. He'd be getting paid. Well, uh, with probably the whole mid-level exception. But then secondly, we'll be playing with two of his old teammates that are obviously seems like all those Villanova guys are pretty good friends. Um, and, you know, in general, it'd be just 
I think in a situation where if he started, if he started getting some minutes here and there and started proving himself as a good shooter and whatever, he would stick around because the numbers largely paint him as a very good two-way player at this point, which that that's something that I don't know that I necessarily saw with him coming out of college. But if you look at like his uh his overall um like plus minus numbers as far as or his on-off numbers, I guess I should say, as far as like how much better he makes his you know teams when he's on the floor versus off. There's only one time, and it was the brief stint with Milwaukee before he got traded, after he was coming back from an injury and things were kind of weird. That's the only time in his career, that small stint of games, I think it was only like 15 or 20 or something, where he's ever been anything other than a net positive. Uh, and that's that's a huge plus. Like you, those guys, that's like a Josh Hart type thing or like Emmanuel Quickly, where it's just like you know that when he goes out there, he's not going to leave anything to be desired, uh, which I think is the type of players that the Knicks attract. I'm I'm all for it because I, I'm kind of just of the opinion like depth is good. Depth you can't go wrong with depth, and as long as there's a clear understanding between player, front office, and coach about what his role is going to be, what his path to minutes are going to be, and all that stuff, I don't have any problem with it at all. Um, and you know, regardless of if there's like a perfectly tailored, ready waiting, uh, like spot for him in the rotation, as long as he's okay coming with the Knicks and understands what things are going to be, uh, I'm good with it. And and I'm willing to just let things figure themselves out. Cause I think he's a really talented player. And, and I think that he would give them like that, that fail safe guy that can shoot, that can play some defense that moves the ball. Well, like he actually has pretty solid assist totals throughout his career. And it's just overall a positive player. And I think that's the type of players the Knicks are attracting at this point. Yeah, I will say this. I do not think he's coming to New York without a guarantee of at least, let's say, 15 minutes a game because there's 20-plus teams in the NBA that will offer him that. And I think guys, especially at his stage of his career, where he's, what, he's like 24 years old, younger, um, like they want to play almost more than they want money. And the money he would get with the Knicks, again, uh, plenty of other teams will offer him 10, 12 million dollars a year to be their seventh or eighth guy. So to me, if he ends up on the Knicks, I think it's an indicator of another move. And that move might literally be as simple as Obi Toppin is, is sent away for like a future pick. Josh Hart all of a sudden playing a good chunk of his minutes as a backup four. And you're having a lineup of quickly DiVincenzo, RJ, um, Hart, and Hartenstein which I would really have no issues with. Like, I just, I, I don't think the NBA is structured in a way anymore where there, there are backup fours that are going to be bulldozing Josh Hart and giving you issues. Like, I think if anything, that's a lineup that would probably blow away most other benches. But it could also portend a star trade where you're moving RJ and Quickly or RJ and Grimes or Quickly and Grimes or two of those three guys where you need someone to slot in there. And then to your point, Alex, like, you're very happy to have someone like Dante DiVincenzo because you, you have a bit of a drop-off relative to him and Grimes, I would say a pretty significant drop-off between him and Quickly, but still a really, really good bench option to pair with whoever that new star is. Yeah, and that was the part that I was kind of dancing around a little bit in my answer, too. Like, I think that there's also a decent chance that they would they would get him with the intention of knowing, like, at some point there's going to be consolidation here. Yeah. Uh, and most likely they would leave the Villanova guys intact because they play so well together and everything. Like, you want to kind of build a core around those sort of guys. Something about the, uh, the, I mean, the way that that Brunson and Hart play together is like crazy. I mean, I can only imagine the sparks that are going to fly if you get DiVincenzo in there too. Like something about the Villanova guys when they start playing together, it's just like, it's magic. Unlike pretty much any other like 
college teammate pairings I can think of in recent memory uh, that, you know, got together in the NBA. But yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I kind of think that if they sign him, there is a decent chance that they at least have an inkling of like, there's probably a good shot that by the end of the summer that like RJ Barrett or, or, quickly or grimes or as you said maybe even two of them won't be on the team anymore and this team will have a little bit of a different look going into next season or a lot of a different look going into next season and and divincenzo will find a role that way um i guess as far as that goes we'll see probably a perfect time to to tee us up for predictions though gavin uh if you were gonna if so i think the heart thing we can just reasonably agree that the extension is coming when he's eligible later this summer. Um, I don't know. Maybe the first place to start is if we think that they're going to for sure sign DiVincenzo, but then I don't know. What's your overall read? Like what's your, if you're going to make a prediction, what do you, what do you think is going to end up happening for the next, this uh, free agent period and, and busy part of the off season? Yeah, I think, I think DiVincenzo is, is here on one way or another. And I think it definitely portends a future move. Like I would be, surprised if after the deadline all of RJ quickly and Grimes are still on the team and that would that bumps me out to say um but I, I that that is kind of my gut instinct on it um the other name we've heard like kind of tentatively thrown out there is Bruce Brown who I love as a player I just think him and Josh Hart are so similar the one difference is Brown was willing and hit a very high rate of his threes during the playoffs. So in that sense, I would maybe even, and he's also younger. Like I would almost rather have a Bruce Brown than a Josh Hart, even if like Hart does some really special stuff, but no complaints there, both awesome players. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's that simple. And I, I think the Knicks continue to look to make a move. I ultimately think they're not involved with Harden. Like Woj, I think it was, or maybe it might, I think it was Shams actually had like a very telling tweet on Harden where he said like, it's, it's, there's an understanding around the league that players of Harden stature usually end up where they want to end up. And if I had to guess for hard, it's not New York. It's either going to be LA or it's going to be Miami at this point. So I, I don't think there's anything there. Yeah. I'm, I'm also with you where I think that, uh, I think DiVincenzo is more or less a lock. Uh, so I'd be willing to like pencil that in. I think as far as Brown, I feel like Brown was only going to be an option if DiVincenzo wasn't, but I think that DiVincenzo is definitely going to happen at this point. I mean, you've got like Ian Begley, literally like, like, sending out like just random stats about DiVincenzo and all kinds of stuff. Like, like as if he's already doing research for pieces and it's like, Oh, that's an interesting stat. Let me tweet that real quick. It's like, uh, like he's getting it all pre-written and ready to go for when that signing comes down. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's going to be a pretty quick one. That'll probably, I would be willing to bet that that's almost like a first couple hours move that gets announced, uh, tomorrow night or tonight, rather by the time people are listening to this, uh, I think the Knicks are going to get involved and make a star trade before the season starts. I think this team is averse to big changes in season. I think they like to fine tweak things during the season, but I don't think that they like to go big game hunting around the trade deadline. I think they like to handle their business in the off season because it's sort of an understanding of their coach, right? Like, Tibbs likes to have his whole game plan more or less for the whole season figured out before the season starts. And I think they're going to respect that and they're going to try to try to make a move of some sort. Now who that's for, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's Paul George. That seems to be the the flavor of the week as far as who they're linked to. But I think 
if James Harden gets traded to the Clippers and Paul George doesn't move, obviously they're not going to move him then. If that happens, I'd be willing to bet the Knicks get involved on someone that we maybe haven't even heard yet is even available and make something happen in that way. Um, but the, I, the Harden deal, I'm going to be watching very closely too because that's going to be the first like megastar trade without the asterisk of like the Beal trade with the, with, you know, the prohibitiveness of his, of his, uh, um, oh my God, why is it, why is the word escaping? Oh, his, uh, no trade clause. No trade clause. Why did that escape me? Uh, but yeah, without the prohibitiveness of a no trade clause and like Harden is bigger than Porzingis and like Marcus Smart. So that deal was sort of weird to try to use as like a new gauge for like what star trades are. I want to see what the Harden package is because if it's not like super significant, the Knicks might literally have a blank check that they could go write for whoever they want at that point and say, here's like five first round picks. We'll take whatever star we want around the league as long as the team would be willing to part with them. But if it's a player that's on a super max, it's going to become increasingly likely that a team like the Knicks could with draft capital and, you know, a copy of the CBA in hand to flash in front of that team could get a, a lot of different stars. If this Harden return is not super big and sort of like resets the the star market, so we'll see how that all goes. But I would not be surprised if in the next two weeks, if we hear about some sort. And this is to be clear, not sourced or anything at all. I got no sources; it's pure gut. But like, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next like two weeks, the Knicks make some sort of big move and and make that like big star trade that we're expecting at some point or another. So, but I guess we'll just have to see only one thing left to do and that's to wait. So Gavin, unless you had anything else to add, bring us home, man. Let's, let's head into free agency. I was just going to say, ho- hopefully one of the, uh, the myriad of uh, podcasts we've been doing with the other locked on hosts gets, gets justified for once, for once <laughs> Leon Rose, listen, listen to us. We have, we have some ideas anyways. Um, until next time he's Alex, I'm Gavin. And, uh, yeah, we'll have, uh, updates for you as soon as they're in on NBA free agency. So stick with us all weekend long right here on locked on Knicks.